1986, when I was coming of age, Ronald Reagan doubled down on the war on drugs that had been started by Richard Nixon in 1971. Drugs were bad, fried your brain. And drug dealers were monsters, the sole reason neighborhoods and major cities were failing. No one wanted to talk about Reaganomics and the ending of social safety nets, the defunding of schools and the loss of jobs in cities across America. Young men like me who hustled became the sole villain and drug addicts lacked moral fortitude. In the 1990s, incarceration rates in the U.S. blew up. Today, we imprison more people than any other country in the world. China, Russia, Iran, Cuba. All countries we consider autocratic and repressive. Yeah, more than them. Judges' hands were tied by tough-on-crime laws, and they were forced to hand out mandatory life sentences for simple possession and low-level drug sales. My home state of New York started this with Rockefeller laws. Then the feds made distinctions between people who sold powder cocaine and crack cocaine even though they were the same drug. Only difference is how you take it. And even though white people used and sold crack more than black people, somehow it was black people who went to prison. The media ignored actual data to this day. Crack is still talked about as a black problem. The NYPD raided our Brooklyn neighborhoods while Manhattan bankers openly used coke with impunity. The war on drugs exploded the U.S. prison population disproportionately locking away black and Latinos. Our prison population grew more than 900%. When the war on drugs began in 1971, our prison population was 200,000. Today it is over 2 million. Long after the crack era ended, we continued our war on drugs. There were more than 1.5 million drug arrests in 2014. More than 80% were for possession only. Almost half were for marijuana. People are finally talking about treating addiction to harder drugs as a health crisis, but there's no compassionate language about drug dealers. Unless, of course, we're talking about places like Colorado, whose state economy got a huge boost by the above-ground marijuana industry. A few states south in Louisiana, they're still handing out mandatory sentences for people who sell weed. Despite a boom in its celebrated 50 billion legal marijuana industry, most states still disproportionately hand out mandatory sentences to black and Latinos with drug cases. If you're entrepreneurial and live in one of the many states that are passing legalized laws, you may still face barriers participating in the above-ground economy. Venture capitalists migrate to these states to open multi-billion dollar operations, but former felons can't open a dispensary. Lots of times those felonies were drug charges, caught by poor people who sold drugs for a living, but are now prohibited from participating in one of the fastest growing economies. Got it? In states like New York, where holding marijuana is no longer grounds for arrest, police issue possession citations in black and Latino neighborhoods at a far higher rate than other neighborhoods. Kids in Crown Heights are constantly stopped and ticketed for trees. Kids at dorms in Columbia, where rates of marijuana use are equal to or worse than those in the hood, are never targeted or ticketed. Rates of drug use are as high as they were when Nixon declared this so-called war in 1971. 45 years later, it's time to rethink our policies and laws. The war on drugs is an epic fail. Yeah. Damn. That's crazy. Welcome to the show, The Daily Attic Podcast. Powerful words from Jay-Z in that video. Yes. And we ring it home every time we step in front of the mic for you guys. That's How many times have you heard those same things? We bring up those same 
problems, the same issues, the same hypocrisies constantly. What's being done about it? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, there's organizations out there that are helping. There's people that are doing things, but really, it's kind of, uh, as we're living right now during this peaceful protest slash riot slash um, police brutality and Black Lives Matter movement, at the core of this movement is this drug war that has perpetuated it to this point. That's exactly, man. That's exactly right. If you think about uh, the police and the way they treat people, you know, you just heard Jay-Z say over half of the arrests are, are you know, easily uh, black, black men or black people. And the majority of people in prison are minorities. And this is what the cops deal with. Because of the drug war. That's what they're used to, you know, um, policing. It's trying to police something that is really not ever going to happen. You're never going to police the drug war. Right. So in, in the cop's eyes, they, they see a black person walking and they automatically think because they arrested so many for drugs that this black person is going to have drugs on them. So they probably go in there, you know, guns drawn. And they start beating people, man. Like really just, yeah, just hitting home that stereotype. You know, they're not wasting their time with the uh, the white guy because they're not going to get an arrest there is, is what you're saying. Right. But that's on drugpolicy.org. Uh, if anybody wants to see that video again or you can just, you know, hit rewind or share our show better is the better uh, way to do that if you really do care about this thing and I'm sure you do because uh, you're listening uh, share this show with someone and share this link with someone so they can see for themselves just in a little uh, you know five or ten minute I don't even know how long that was uh, video I think they did a really good job here on Drug Policy Alliance. You'd go to drugpolicy.org, um, issues, race, and drug war. And they have an excellent, excellent uh, story here also about it. Um, a lot of the communities that have been affected by um, this, this, this drug war have been decimated. I mean, you got fatherless children, uh, growing up, you got, uh, poverty, you have violence, crime, constantly exposed to these elements. Prosecutors are twice as luckily, twice as luckily, twice as likely to pursue Mandatory minimums compared to a black and white person. Wow. I mean, that's pretty fucking racist. Yeah. And guess who is one of the proponents and architects of mandatory minimum drug laws? Who? 
Joe Biden. God damn. Let's vote him in. He has, he's helped cause, and this is what nobody's talking about, and you're not going to hear it on any, any, any news network because they're so polarized. But listen, what's going on right now is a slow buildup of what Joe Biden helped build, which is a racial profile criminal enterprise. So there's an underclass of criminals that they can control and uh, profit off of. And this is what the drug war is. It's If it wasn't purposeful, how could you let a failing program go on and on and on? Money. You just heard the stats. You have more prisoners than ever. Drug use is at an all-time high. Overdoses. Everything. It's not doing any good. No, we'll just keep throwing money to, to it, though. Throw, throw money at it. It'll make it go away. It's sad, man. It really is. Um, now we're moving into a whole new era of drugs as well. Now we're going into designer drugs, fentanyl, car fentanyl, different synthesized versions of opioids are now being available so they can smuggle them easier. They can distribute them easier. Um, it's, it's just going to go further and further. It's, it's never going to, you know, when you talk about fentanyl in the illegal market, the lengthy sentences have been on the books for decades, right? But it hasn't stopped the spread of fentanyl. At a federal level, um, pre-existing penalties range from five years to life without parole. And the majority, 75% of federally sentenced traffickers are people of color. Mm. People of color, man. Um, the drug war forces lifelong... Uh, problems here for Americans. And it's been going on for the last five decades and it's been cranked up by different presidents and enforced by other presidents. And there's, ne and there's never been a movement against it that meant a shit. I think if we, if something came out of this movement that's going on right now was the end, was the war to end the war. If everybody said end the war on drugs right now, why they're protesting, end the war on drugs, that would be a huge first step. And the police not even interacting with people anymore. I mean, how many times does a police interact with somebody that they ask them? That was the first thing they ask you when they pull you over. You got any weapons or drugs in the car? Yep. Where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you coming from? Where you been? What's that smell? Have you had anything to drink today? I'm calling the dogs. Why are your eyes red? Are you eating Cheetos while grabbing your insurance out of your glove compartment? Do you know how much better this world would be without the war on drugs? I couldn't even imagine. I mean, that. here's a fun fact. One in nine 
black children have a parent that's incarcerated. One in nine. Holy shit. That sucks. All the jokes people make about, you know, black children not having fathers. Right. Because they're all fucking locked up. Right. Because of a fucking stupid ass policy that we enforce. Yeah. I couldn't imagine what it'd be like. I try to imagine sometimes what it'd be like being a black man in some of the situations that I've been in in my life. That's true. Like I can remember one time. This is a story that if I was a black man, I probably would have ended up either in jail or something. I know I'd end up in prison. So uh, a few, but you know what? I was rolling with Mexicans. I was rolling with Mexicans, and I kind of looked Mexican. So I, I, on the other side, I still experienced some of that stuff just because I had a nice car at a point in my life, and I had rims on it and everything. They pulled me over, ripped the carpet out of my car, made us stand towards the highway while they, like, searched for drugs. They were, they were certain I was a drug dealer. Right. But I wasn't. I worked at fucking Meyer. I was a grocery store. I was a fucking gas station attendant. I just had a nice car. That's all. It was my graduation present. But, um, yeah, one time we got pulled over on our way down to Detroit. And we had empty bottles of beer under the seats. We had marijuana in the car. We actually just lit a joint right before we got pulled over. And we threw the weed out of the window. Very intelligently, we dumped the weed out of the bag. That's a good idea. That's a good tip for anybody um, in those illegal states now. Um, They never found anything. They drug tested us. I basically got my keys back and continued driving to Detroit. Mm. They had they had like four cars out on the highway looking for that baggy man. They couldn't find it. They knew we had weed, but they couldn't prove it. And I passed the drug test. I don't know if this helped or not. What kind of drug test did they give back in those days? I didn't right? mean drug test. I meant alcohol. I sobriety. Meant a sobriety test. Okay. I had a blow test. I had to do the blow, and then I had to walk in a straight line, which I nailed, and then touch my nose, which I nailed. I was probably, I was, the thing is, man, I don't even think I was 21, bro. I think I was like, I think I was 18. Now, when you say blow test. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, you blow did, in. Did, did he take you in back of the car? No, or? right out in the open. Damn. Sick fucker. Damn. But when I took the alcohol, when I took the sobriety test, um, I stuck a penny down in under my tongue. Somebody always told me. I don't know if that shit works, man. Dude, it, it must have worked for me because we drank two 40s of Old English. Damn, you guys were gangsta. Dude, we were gangsta. And we were on our way to Detroit for some females, man. All of our females. Usually, man's greatest downfall is he's trying to mm-hmm. impress some females. Right. Or get them. But if they would have drove by while you're doing the blow test on the officer. Boom. You would have been done. Boom. That would have been like, well. He's by. <laughs> back then, there was, back then it was really weird, man. 
Like, this is the 90s. It seems like, you know, back in the 90s. The drug war was tough. It still is tough. It's a bunch of bullshit. It's so hypocritical. And Well, it's getting worse now, man, because technology, you know? It's like before, back in the day, they didn't have all this technology that could track you and shit and monitor what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Back then, it'd be like a page if you get a... You get a little beep and you know where to go and drop what off and right. Now people well, are texting. It's better now though because they use like Snapchat. They use anonymous uh, apps now. Yeah, but are they really? I mean, at this point, if the federal government's like busting people selling weed on Snapchat, then they really, we really are fucked up. We're gonna be bankrupt country. We are going to be bankrupt anyways. We're going to be bankrupt anyways. How much money could we save, man? I think we spend about $60 billion on the drug war just just funding it. A year. A year. But that that, that doesn't count. That's probably a real soft number, though. How How much money are we spending to incarcerate these prisoners? For simple possession charges oh, yeah. a year. Yeah, I don't How much know. are we yeah. spending on the courts? Mm. How much do we have to spend for welfare because now this parent's a single parent? Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many stages that it drops down to. It's probably an incredible number, man. I think we threw some trillion dollars out there. I think, I we, think-, I think we were up to a trillion so far because even when you talk about the military using their force to protect the opioid uh the uh heroin fields or the opium poppy fields in afghanistan yeah and they were blowing up certain ones and protecting other ones i this is what i want to ask everybody where do you think the government gets where do you think these pharmaceutical companies get their opium from hmm Drug dealers. Where do you think these, when they go to press up 70 trillion fucking narco pills, where do you think they get all that opium? Where does, I mean, what do you think happens? You think do, they got a plant? Do they use real opium opium in those, or do they use like a modified now? No, it's not synthetic. It's not? Mm-mm. Synthetic is fentanyl. That's when you start getting into synthetic. No. Okay. Yeah, opium is derived from the plant. I need to look into that more, man. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they get it from farmers in the Middle East. You got to Google that shit and find out, man. All right. Do you do you challenge my I do challenge because that'd be a lot of opium that would have to be bought to cover all these pain medicines. I'm gonna put it right here. Where do pharmaceuticals? where Man, well, how do I become one of them farmers? Shit. Where do drug companies get their opium? Let me see here. This is going to be interesting. Mm. Mm. Massive poppy bust. Why homegrown opium is rare. They must have busted somebody growing their own. Now, I believe it's legal to grow poppy 
just it's illegal when you start slitting it, cutting it. Johnson and Johnson say its oil produced subsidiaries did not cause the United States. Oh, okay. Well, here's something right here. How Johnson and Johnson companies used a super poppy to make narcotics for Americans the most abused opioid pills. Oh, and then they got beautiful picture of some uh, opium plants there. They they are pretty flower. They are, man. They're a good plant. Uh, this is Australia. As the United States was succumbing to the uh, epidemic of addiction, the Johnson & Johnson family of companies became the leading maker of narcotics for popular opioid pills. A dominance achieved through decades of innovation, navigation of U.S. drug policy, and cultivation of poppies Damn. in this remote haven on the other side of the world. Johnson & Johnson's supply chain began in uh, Tasmania, an island 150 miles south of the mainland of Australia, where scientists in the mid-90s altered the genetics of thousands of plants to engineer a super poppy that was particularly rich in opiates. Damn. Tasmanian farmers grew the novel plants, enticed by flashy incentive prizes, a Mercedes, a Jaguar, a BMW, and Johnson & Johnson's subsidiary, Awarded for growing the best crop. So at the same time, when we're punishing people for for selling drugs, we're buying drugs legally from the farmers. So on this side of the world, we're putting people in prison for using opioids or opiates or heroin. And in Tasmania... They're being rewarded. Yeah, same thing you just said. That's a very, man, so if they get, like, all these these uh, African countries that are getting hit by these locusts right now, so it'll just take one big fucking, one fail to cause the market of opiates just to fucking crumble. This ain't the only place we, they grow it for. Well, but this, this is Johnson & Johnson, I'll bet but I'm you, sure they grow it in the Middle East, too, I'm, um, or in Indonesia or some shit. I bet you we don't buy it from the Middle East, though. Or do we? We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to do a show on where the government, the pharmaceutical companies, actually get their shit. Yeah, man. Be very um, interesting. From 2013 to 2015, near the peak of the opioid production. Johnson and Johnson subsidiary in Tasmania was harvesting thousands of acres of poppies. And the U.S. subsidiary was manufacturing enough oxycodone and hydrocodone, the two most abused opioid drugs, to capture half or more of the U.S. market. So now on our stance where we say, you know, uh, anything that's grown in the ground should be a f pretty much free for all, right? Yeah, no, I'm not saying it should be a free free for all. But well, that, that's I'm what saying, I'm saying. I'm just I'm saying, saying anything derived from plants should be legal. I feel better now that regulated. when I take a a Vicodin or something that it's actually a plant. Oh, which reminds me. I, I mean, I feel pretty good about that now. I don't know where you did it, man. Did I do it? I don't know. I think I did. That's pretty sad. But I was, I feel better now though that it's actually a plant grown. I always thought it was a scientifically modified substance. Now, right? I was thinking, man, how the fuck could you grow that many poppies 
to keep up with the demand of pain medication. They do it in other countries, man. Why don't we? That's another thing, man. Why do we buy? I don't. I don't get it, man. We we buy so much. Why don't we make our own shit, dude? Wouldn't it be more trustworthy? We couldn't because if we did, then they would have to admit that, that they fucked up. Yeah, it's just hypocrisy and it's a fucking evil way to control people. I mean, how many jobs could be created from that? Fuck, dude. Lots. I would love to be a, a, a poppy farmer. And I bet you we're probably paying these guys fucking pennies for the shit, man. And these people don't even realize how much it's actually worth here. So while Purdue Pharma. That's the uh, big one. I don't know. I heard of this one called, is it Malincrot? Malincrot Pharmaceuticals? It's two, and it, it was two subsidiaries of Johnson & Johnson, a brand better known for baby powder and Band-Aids that were producing narcotics in many of the abuse pills. So they they made enough opium in Tasmania to feed half of the U.S. population, man. That's, that's 200 million pills. Fuck. We're in the wrong business. Dude, we are way in the wrong business, man. I'm worried about, like, marijuana, cannabis, and shrooms and all that. Shit, man, go straight to the, the big boys over there. What a hypocrisy. So now that we have this information, and even if we share this information, people give a fuck less about this information right now, man. Right. They don't see how it they don't see how it coincides. I wish I wish people would would see that this is a fundamental change in our culture that's gonna happen. There's a big bigger picture, man, that it all it all needs to be fixed. There's a root cause here, and the root cause is, you know, the fact that this company, this this company, this country started out with in slavery, with using slaves, but at the same time, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of oppression and a lot of uh, um, things that our country cannot be proud of at this point. But one of the things that perpetuated it to we are to where we are now is the war on drugs. I'm saying, let's imagine a world where it didn't happen. Nixon didn't come out and make a and grandstand and say it was the number one enemy. And they didn't arrest all the protesters for the Vietnam war because they were smoking hippies um, you know, there's weed smoking hippies and they didn't, you know, um, I, I want to say that even one of the guys in Nixon's cabinet admitted it was a war against the minorities. Yeah. I seen that because they felt like, um, African Americans and the musicians and athletes all smoked marijuana or cannabis. They felt like, you know, they really hated, like, uh, when you look at, like, Harry Anslinger and how I used to say jazzy musicians, it was like devil's music because they used to smoke weed and, and uh, really put out some really incredible shit. Which is funny, man, because how weed's been around for fucking probably since this earth has been around, man. So is heroin. Exactly. So is opium. 
So what's the big fucking deal, man? There was a time in Chinese culture when opium was legal mm-hmm. and everybody sat around and smoked it. Yep. So they had to do something. Anybody's not familiar. But it was with peaceful this. though, man. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying, in this short time I have to live in this life, I want to be happy. So if I want to fucking snort some cocaine or shoot heroin, whatever, man, I should be able to be happy or pain free or stress free. Eight thousand year history of use and abuse of opium. 8,000 that they know of that they know of. I mean, could you imagine the first person who seen the poppy plant? They're like, shit. What is that? It's so beautiful. Let's split the fucking, let's split it. Let's cut it and see what comes out of it. Oh, there's white shit. What do we do with that? Well, let's try to smoke it. Wow. They've been using it throughout history. Check this out. 8,000 year. Hardened Sumerian clay tablets are the oldest prescriptions of opium. Isn't that crazy how people just figured that shit out, man? Ancient Greeks, Indians, Chinese, Egyptians, Romans, Arabs, people in the Middle Ages, Europeans, from the Renaissance to now, new opium was an ever-approved next-door medicine for all maladies. So they used it for... It's referenced in the Bible, Uh, Napoleon, Poe, Shelley, Quincy, Hitler, uh, all these people, wounded soldiers from the American Civil, British, Perusian, French wars were allowed to abuse the drug. Um, It's just crazy, but I want to talk about, like, I know there was a time in Chinese history Okay, there's a time in Chinese history, and it might yeah. not have been Chinese. I thought it was like India. I think it was in the 17, here it is right here. Following the British importation of opium to China in the 1760s, those fucking Brits are evil as fuck. They've been doing shit like this their whole history. Damn. They come over here, try to take this shit over, slaughter all the fucking Native Americans. Try to tax the fucking Americans. Fuck them. I'm sorry if you guys are in Britain. I mean, I don't blame you now. If you're British now, I'm cool with you. But back then, man. We weren't cool with you. They were Brit. No, not you, but whoever it was back then. Kings and queens and shit. Uh, the use and production of the drug in China increased dramatically. The situation was uh, aggravated after the failure of opium wars that occurred between the United Kingdom and the King... Wing Empire in China with the aim of forcing China to import British opium. The war made China open the door to a free-flowing opium trade with dangerous social and public health consequences. The subsequent rise of the new China uh, created drug-free atmosphere by strict legislation and punishment in which drug was Greatly decreased. However, in the context of the government reform and the open door policies of the 1980s, drug abuse has reemerged as a major health problem. So that was, yeah, it was back in the 1700s then. Mm. That it was, that it was something that was, you know, they. There's something more recent. I remember seeing old black and white videos of people just laying on the streets and shit smoking fucking opium. I don't remember where that was though, but it was just like everybody, man. It's not something that it's 
not something that is is a issue that could be fixed between people that everything has to be black and white for it. This is a long discussion. This is something that goes on forever. That's why our show is still on right now because it's a discussion that goes on forever until, until they, fixed. until they fix it. And it's going to take social unrest, a revolution. It's going to take something for this to pop off. And with everything that's going on right now. Um, so if you guys want us to stop the show, all you got to do is get them to stop the drug war. And you won't hear us no more. <laughs> it is so, but it's a global thing. It's a worldwide thing. It's a drug war fought on a large scale by people that are in control. And I'm not trying to be like Alex Jones here and tell you guys it's a world conspiracy, but it, in a way it is, man. In a way it is, because you get away with, we've covered stories, okay? This is set up so if you're a millionaire or a billionaire and you get caught with some fucking drugs... You you're don't good, serve jail you're time. You're good to go, man. But if you're a low-level fucking drug user and you just sell some drugs to your friends so you could get high, too, and you get busted, you end up in prison for five, ten years. You or end after up the third ruining, time, you get life. Life. You ruin your whole life over drugs, but then people with money get off. I mean, that the way this whole system is devised, the way this whole system works is rigged. You, you know? People are sitting in jail for life for weed. Why we're out here buying it at the fucking store now? Yeah, that you know? should be like right That's now, fucked up, dude. If this president was any type of fucking decent person right now, the states where weed is legal, it, they should they should decriminalize, release the prisoners, and expunge all the records. The states are kind of doing it. I know California. Did it not fast and, enough? Uh, so, not man. fast enough. It should be done immediately. Yeah. It, it isn't done in in Michigan yet. It isn't done in fucking Canada either. Mm. Get off your fucking asses, Canadians. Except for clouded judgment. He's always on the grind. He is. I haven't seen him for a while on Twitter. No, he hasn't been active lately. But yeah, so. So they were, they're protesting in every state in uh, 20 different countries, 19 countries. This movement is really taking over, and it's going on and on and on. And the police brutality that is being displayed on video is nothing short of horrific. Did you see the one where they sh they pushed the old man down? Yeah. And he's bleeding all he's over the place, over and they're him. just like, yeah. You're just a fucking Amer you're just a fucking American bootlicker. Get the fuck out of our way. That's the way they're treating us, man. They're treating us like we ought to be privileged to be servant to them. And it's time for the people, man, to take the power back. Now's the time to do it, man. Fuck it. I'm not thinking it's gonna happen with this one, but it's gonna it's coming around the corner. Wait till everybody's it's, unemployment it's runs out. It's gonna happen, man. Wait until all these 40 million people go back to work and there's no jobs. People are tired of living in a free country, but you're not really that free. Period. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It slowly works. Like the government is like this weird thing that slowly it gets to the point where, you know, there's a line that's being crossed. And next thing you know, it's a tyranny. Next yep. thing you know, you're being controlled. Yep. And it's, there's a lot of evidence that, I see 
that we could probably put together, man, as much as we've covered, as many people as we've talked to about this war on drugs over the last year and a half, there's no doubt in my mind that this war on drugs is was founded and perpetuated by people for a need to control and profit off of a criminal class. Yep. That is the the main motivation. It isn't to make people better. It isn't to save people's lives. Because if it was, why is it so fucking deadly? Why are there more addicts than ever? It's not for the betterment of the health of this country, guys, to have this fucking war on drugs. It's not the better for anybody in the entire fucking world. It's so evident. It's so evident. The damage is way more than the benefit. There's no benefit. You're putting dangerous shit out there and people are doing it. People are doing fentanyl thinking thinking it's heroin, overdosing. You know? Mm. It's a fucked up thing, man. So if I was protesting, I would be protesting also, representing the war on drugs. Yes. But I'm not protesting because I'm still working and I'm still raising my family. And uh, I think about that. I think about, you know, if I go to, if I go to a protest and I'm able to, you know, something does happen, some, some violence happens. Do I really want to be in that situation? That's the thing, man. You got so many agitators now that it's, it's not worth it to go out. You know, um, I stand with the I stand with the movement, and if it comes down to it, I mean, I'll have to. You know, I have to do what I have to do. But luckily, these young people are out there being active and doing it. Because if I was twenty one, twenty two, with nothing to lose but maybe a little jail time or getting maced or something, I mean, there's a um, I forget what city it was, but they just the judge passed the ordinance that uh, if the cops use mace tasers rubber bullets at peaceful protesters that they'll be prosecuted yes because there's been so many cities that it's started peaceful but then the cops start you know spraying them and shooting them yeah. and hitting them and then what those do you do man you gotta are, fight back those dude. rubber bullets are a joke bro it's almost like shooting you the real fucking yeah, bullet a solid what fucking a piece fucking of material joke man i mean it ain't no joke it's fucking why it's coming out of a fucking gun, man. What do you think it's going to feel like? That's There's two different things going on. And tear gas is illegal with the Geneva Convention, man. Right. So I don't even see how we're getting away using it on our own fucking people. Because that's a chemical weapon. Because there ain't no difference between us and other countries, man. Jesus. When it comes to government rule, dude. We are, we are under the illusion that we are free, man. I, I just wish that these protests didn't go into the the looting aspect of it right because that kind of set it kind of set it back a little bit yes. you know because people a lot of people are looking at it like all right these that's all they want to do is steal now you know right if you would have started peaceful stayed peaceful i think a lot more would already be in motion yeah i think you're right I think the loot I think the looting started like you said the looting's what started really the aggressive tactics from the police. Yeah, I mean you kind of I don't know man it's just 
I'm seeing a lot of peaceful protesters getting fucked. I mean, getting, oh, yeah. you know. Well, but I'm thinking because they don't want the looting to happen, so they're going to try to, you know, try to make them fear them so they don't loot. Right. But I don't think looting, I mean, people say, yeah, it's just a building. Yeah, but all these police cars that we're destroying and all these buildings, eventually we the people have to pay for that shit. You know, yeah. your grocery stores move out, the jobs move out, people can't pay rent because the stores are burned down. I feel bad for the small business owners, yes, man, that are losing their businesses. They just came off three months of fucking no business at all. And now they go back now to burned, nothing. Burned up, man. And all the cops' cars, that shit's going to be on our taxes, man. Right. I mean, let's just do it the right way, do it peaceful. Right. Spray paint and shit, whatever, man. Spray paint all you want. You think insurance companies are going to be going belly up pretty soon? I don't think so, man. I think they've been raping us for a long time. They probably got a pretty big bank account. I hope so. I hope they have to start paying out. But still, eventually, man. I mean, you think Target might because they're big, but like like a Kroger or something that got burned down, they're not going to reopen. No. They're going to say, fuck you, man. Right. You know? And then how many employees lost their jobs? Just a weird mix of everything in the world going on, man. It's crazy. Daily Addicts always got your back, though. No ads this episode. We're just going to ride out. Fuck I got to find an out, outro, though. Let's see. All right. I guess right. that'll work. Fuck it. Make sure that you put five on it. Yes. And by what I mean by that is five stars. Hell yeah, dude. Give us five star Boom. review. I'll take a four star too, though. It'll make us look good. Hook a brother up.